This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. She's a writer, a comedian, and other nouns I probably don't even know, Nadia Osman. Hi. Hello. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Do you think of yourself primarily as a writer, comedian? Is Are those good nouns? Are there better ones? Those are good nouns. You didn't call me a comedian. I would never do that. Thank God. <laughs> I don't know anyone that would, but uh, I yeah. I think there's some people who seem to think it's still like classy or elegant. Yeah. you like, she is a comedian. Like, it's <laughs> stupid. It's, it's not. It's sexist <laughs> is what it is. Um, yeah, I guess writer performer as it okay. were. Uh, yeah. You go to performer more than comedian when describing yourself? For the most part, because I think I don't do a lot. I don't really do stand up. Okay. So I think of comedian as a stand up thing, but that's just my weird brain. Okay. Fair enough. But I don't think it's just your weird brain because for years and years I did sketch and improv, but I didn't do stand up. And then I would have to sit, find other words like performer because if I said comedian, people would be like, when are you doing stand up? How, do how do you feel about airplane food? And I'd just be like, fuck you. Yeah. If I get into a lift and somehow the person is very talkative and it's like, what do you do? Because they need to have a conversation because they're in a car for 12 hours a day. I usually go to like, oh, I'm a writer. And that way then I can lean back on my day job, which is copywriting. Okay. And if they say, oh, what do you write? I go, oh, ads. And that usually shuts them up. As opposed to if I say, oh, I write jokes then they go tell me a joke and i'm like this isn't how that works yeah it's an utter nightmare oh, yeah. an understandable nightmare but an utter nightmare i'm trying to remember where i was somebody brought their child to me to have that conversation of like tell my child a joke or i think the kid asked like would you tell me a joke now i just felt really rude i tried to be really nice i was like i bent over and was like that's not how we do things <laughs> Listen, kid. <laughs> what does your dad do? <laughs> you have Imagine to if I walked up to him and said, could you do some marketing for me right now? Would it your is, dad like that? I, well, I think it's there are certain occupations that lend itself to that. It's like lawyers, I bet, get a lot of like, I have this neighbor who's keeping me up at night. Can I sue him? And I feel like yeah. doctors, especially at parties, yeah. people will lift up shirts and go like, I've got a rash. What's that about? <laughs> and it's like, that's not how any of this works. And also pay me. Yes. Like, there's a service involved. Yeah. Happening. If people want to talk to me about doing comedy, that's great. That's fun. That's like somebody showing interest. But oh. the, the specific perform for me now is what I don't like. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, We're all it, different. It, it is fun to talk about. But then every now and then, I feel like I've talked so much about what makes comedy comedy. And like the, once oh, you break yeah. down how the sausage is made, it's, you know, I there's an inherent pleasure in it. But there's also the sense of like, oh, boy, because it does feel a little bit like work sometimes. But I yeah. think it depends on who you're talking with and what you're talking about. Because yeah. the good When you're talking about the good stuff, I think that that makes a difference. But when you're just talking about like the, the work a day, like, oh, yeah, this okay, let's talk about why your thing is not working. Then that's what. <laughs> <laughs> that seems very rude for a Lyft driver. Like, so why isn't your comedy working? I'm just assuming it's not working for you. <laughs> No, you're right. Where did you go wrong? I so many. I, where do I begin? I just uh, roll out the car into oncoming traffic. Thank you for healing me. <laughs> for healing me. So you healing through death. You do uh, stuff at UCB, That's right? right? Yes. And you have a web series. Is that yes. right? Uh, is that depressed? Yes, I have a web series called Depressed. You can watch it on Vimeo or uh, goddamn fucking Facebook. <laughs> uh, I'm trying. Twitter has like a. Um, What's the word I want? Like time limits. 
okay. on the video, so I can only put up little clips there. So go to Vimeo. It's a Vimeo staff pick, and it was featured on Vulture. That's awesome. Um, I feel like I'm doing all the plugs early. Sorry. Well, but, we'll do them twice. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for that comeback, folks. Uh, and then I write on a sketch team at UCB. And as a result... I feel like very well versed in being able to write things in like four minutes or less that have jokes height and height and height and out. And so every time I go to write anything long form, I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I'm like, why is this taking so long? This should only take an hour. What the hell is happening? I'm like, oh, right. You have to think of things like story and character. Yeah, that was my hubris the very first time I wrote like a one act play. I was like, man, I write five play sketches or five page sketches all the time. And a play is just like five times yeah. or six times or whatever. <laughs> I'm bad at math. But it's just like, I can write that many pages. Like, oh, wait, that's not how it works. Yes. It's like so many things. The more you practice it, the better you get at it. Yeah. And if you have n- no prep, you know, uh, it's like every time I think about when I know this is to pay off his gambling debts, but whenever Michael Jordan like, is like, I'm going to play golf now, I'm like, buddy, that's not how this is going to work. It's not going to suddenly translate. And everybody was like, oh, he might be really good at golf. I'm like, no, he's really good at basketball. He's not necessarily going to be good at other sports. And that's sort of what it feels like. Yeah. In he a way. could be good if you put the time in. Yeah. What I'm saying is I'm unhirable. No, I'm <laughs> no, that's incorrect. All right. Well, Please. let's get into your obsession, Thank which you. is Stephen Sondheim. Is that correct? Yes. All One right. of many. But One yes. of many. But that was, you offered me, uh, like many people do when I asked them to do the podcast, you offered me a bunch of interesting ones, but that was the first one in your list. And yes. sometimes I've been trying to just go with, well, what's the first in the list? Because that was the honest reaction. Mm-hmm. Stephen Sondheim. Is it the work, the person, or both? It's all of it. It's definitely his work. I think if I had to summarize the stuff that's been like most influential on me, Stephen Sondheim is definitely a top five, maybe top three. Oh, like, really? Sondheim and The Simpsons <laughs> like, are two of the big things that make up who I am as a person in terms of influencing me when I was younger. Okay. Um, so creatively as well as just sort of like life perspective? Yes. I think specifically creatively. Uh, the thing about me growing up is that my grandmother loved musicals. Okay. And she, so she loved Rogers Hammerstein and um, she got tons and tons of records that she played in around my mom when she was younger. And so my mom hate musicals <laughs> hate them and like as it just you know, complete rejection and rebellion of whatever it is that your parents like so as a result when i was a kid there were very few musicals in the house yeah so as a result i'm like what's this fun thing where people <laughs> sing and dance at the same time and express their feelings out loud their song so i didn't get a chance to really get into musicals to much later in life which is not necessarily a regret but it is something that I, I wish if I had if I had a time machine and could go back and talk to child me I'd be like go listen to these records or like see if you can get into the community see if you can talk your parents into letting you do like a summer stock theater for kids or something right. like that because that's the story of a lot of like young musical theater nerds yes of like i discovered it at 13 and then i met my the, my first love interest and i went to camp and you know yeah exactly and i didn't have any of that okay so <laughs> and i did sports in high school uh i don't know why necessarily it just what drama wasn't a huge thing in our house so and by dra- i'm let me back up because <laughs> there was a lot of drama but there was not 
theater drama. Okay. Uh, my parents don't come from any kind of entertainment or creative background. My dad's an engineer and my mom was a teacher. And like there wasn't much of a, a sense of like, oh, here's a possible career path. Like okay. many people I know that are somehow involved in musical theater um, either got into it in high school and college, like they did plays and everybody was like, hey, they're pretty good. Uh, or their parents taught music yeah. or somebody was an actor or something like that. So as a result, I think it just took a really long roundabout way for me to get to the point where I was like, oh, this is the guy. But then once I started listening to more show tunes and got more and more immersed in like, what is the history of Broadway and just sort of stuff I researched it on my own. That's when I was like, this is my guy. This, <laughs> okay. This giant body of work that this man has created. And it's a little, it's not, I don't want to call it a cop-out, but I don't think there's that many, unlike, say, film directors or uh, other uh, folks who are bastions of entertainment, as yeah. it were, like, there's not that many people doing musicals because musicals are fucking hard to write. <laughs> They're really hard yes. to write books for and music for, and very few of them finally get up to the point where you could buy a ticket for, you know, what is it now? Like 150 bucks yeah. to go see this thing. So the fact that this guy has made so many of them, I think it speaks literal volu volumes to yeah. like what he's capable of. Um, although it does kind of feel like, it feels a little bit like, my favorite band is the Beatles. <laughs> like there's a little of that going well, on when I you should love what you love. Yes. I want to go back to your, <laughs> your initial discovery, and then we'll talk more about Sondheim, because the picture you're painting of your youth is fascinating. Did you get to a point before you moved out where you were like, when I get out of this restrictive home, I can listen to people <laughs> sing on vinyl records? Like, were you pining for it? Or did you just kind of like get out into the world uh, and start like, exploring different things and found like damn i love musicals i think a little of column a and a little of column b uh when i was in high school later on i was no longer i did water polo and okay. i was a swimmer in high school <laughs> yeah i could really get i broke a girl's nose once I could really in water her. polo yes Not, in practice wow. by accident <laughs> i i elbowed a teammate and she came out of the water and i was like oh that's blood wow uh, you literally put blood in the water yeah, okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't fuck with me no i'm just kidding how is yeah that's a great way to get more listeners on this just to threaten them uh so I wasn't doing that as much. Uh, I got a job my senior year, and I was just kind of checked out and also like, eh, let me, you know, I want to get out of this two-bit town kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I did try to do a few things that were sort of musically related. There okay. was a, I want to say 24 hours, but I don't think that's right. I think it would have been 12 hours that started like maybe 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. That sounds right, that my high school did at least for a few years, that the drama department would put on, and it would just be acts. Oh, So, cool. like, it was just put up scenes or sing or whatever. Not even, I don't even call it a talent show because that's almost giving it too much credit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a sort of endless open mic. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, okay. that feels very much more. You had to sign up in advance, but it does kind of feel, and I look back on it now, I'm like, I don't know that there were prizes. I don't know that there was any real reason for this apart from Get on just, stage and scream, kids. Yeah, exactly. It just let out all that energy, for God's <laughs> sake. Uh, so I remember singing, and I don't remember what I sang. Um, I want to say... 
uh, the Candyman. Who <gasps> could take a song? That yeah. song. And I think I sang that with some friends, and that was like the first time I'd ever really been on stage. The other okay. time prior to that was in sixth grade at my elementary school. The local theater production company that did stuff for kids, like the, oh, I don't remember what they're called. Uh, they would come into different schools at different pinpoint like points okay. during the year and be like, this is your school play. Because otherwise we didn't really do them all that much. So we had uh, the sixth grade school musical, which was Oliver. And okay. I played the the matron i think that's the title <laughs> i was beggar number two when i did oliver but oh that's, great yeah. yes i was the 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 cooks or the 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 cook's wife the, in like <laughs> they put me in a fat suit where they basically tied two pillows around and then put clothes over me and i had to do a song and dance number with a kid that everyone in school hated and i was like this feels like a punish like i feel like i'm being punished like <laughs> i feel like i've been deliberately set up to fail in this instance um so uh, that was like the very first time apart from maybe i don't know one of those like when you get up to do a recital, yeah. maybe situation like when you, but you, but you when had you're like the five sort of, uh, or six, the uh, blood in the water for musicals yeah, that yeah. you, you were excited I for. I did okay enough in that, and I remember classmates being like, "Oh, you, I think you can sing," and in my head I was like, "Maybe I can sing," but I just <laughs> never did anything with it. I didn't really have that many avenues to, or the money or anything to like pursue. Hey, why don't I try to convince my parents? to get me a singing, a vocal coach or something okay. like that. Um, and again, there was no like, there was no one, there wasn't even like an aunt or something going like, you know, listen, you should try theater. There was no influence. Okay, so you had no guidance until you found Sondheim. Yeah. And like just through listening to his work. Yeah, I think that, yeah. So then you go to high school and I sing once and then I auditioned my senior year for Anything Goes Ooh. and got callbacks, but I can't fucking dance for shit. <laughs> I really can't. I'm very uncoordinated and all my friends will tell you as much. Okay. And if you put a few drinks in me, it gets worse. <laughs> so you think it would improve. You think I, I got loosen up, but no, I'm very ga- I'm very graceful in the water and I'm super gangly on land. <laughs> I was going to ask about water polo, but okay. yeah. <laughs> on water. Oh, I can kick your ass there. On land, no, I can't do shit. I can't run. I can't uh, uh, hurt. What are they called? Um, <laughs> you pop over when a you thing. do the jump over the thing. Yes, it's the called ju- the jump overs. Oh, yes. jump overs. Yes, I'm bad at jump overs. Uh, <laughs> but I remember thinking, like, oh gosh, I should try to maybe do something with this. And then my college experience was all over the map, so I just kind of didn't. I was just sort of like, let me just graduate. Like my goal at that <laughs> point was like, I just need to graduate college. Like I switched colleges, I was in community college for a while. Um, I had a nervous breakdown somewhere in there, so from like eighteen to twenty one was just like, <laughs> let me get through this. Yeah. Um, and around that time, I think is when I started kind of first listening to show tune stuff on the sly. Okay. And then once I moved to LA when I was 22, I think that's when I went, okay, yeah, yeah, let's give this a try. Because at that point, that's when I decided I wanted to write. Um, and I took some classes at UCLA. And then someone there said, oh, you should try taking improv UCB. And that's when I got into that and went, aha, I found my people, okay. the theater people. And I really just went all in, not just on like, re up in my comedy education but also like all theater education so it was a lot of like oh i should read more plays i should uh, read more about acting and that includes musical theater and it, i just kept getting drawn to it okay in what in this whole process when you started to gravitate towards sondheim was there a p- specific sondheim work 
that spoke to you or was it just the huge body like you were talking about i part of it was a huge body um i think that there are specific songs or specific musicals from that huge body of work that definitely spoke to me um my favorite musical is probably company okay uh which is great if you haven't heard it you should check it out i didn't Uh, even know it existed what is that one about company is about a guy in his mid-30s named body bobby who's like a perpetual bachelor and all his other friends are married in various stages of either the marriage is good or marriage is bad and he's just like Ah, fuck commitment. <laughs> and it and at the very end... Is that one of the song titles? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, kind, commitment. Yeah, kind of. There's, there's a lot of him basically being like, I could have been with that person, but I didn't. And a lot you see a lot of from other people's POV, the people he dates that are like, you know, what, what am I doing wrong? And he's like, yeah. nothing. I just, you know, he's just a total commitment folk because he's so afraid of being... With somebody and showing them his true self. And it's at the very end, and he sings a song called Being Alive that is just all about, like, one of the lyric lines is, uh, someone to sit in my chair and ruin my sleep and make me aware of being alive. And it's like, oh, I hope I didn't fuck up that lyric in case you're, like, a super super Sondheim. Did you relate to that uh, because you were just getting out of college, just kind of beginning... Uh, full adult life in relating to that sort of like do I want a partner do I need a partner that kind of stuff definitely Um, and I think just that idea that we're all very scared we're all very scared (laughs) to open up and be vulnerable in any kind of way and so much of his work is about being vulnerable I don't know that he's a super vulnerable dude but everything that he writes about so much of it surrounds the ability to be vulnerable, why being vulnerable is a good thing, or it's about the creative process and why it either sucks or is beautiful. <laughs> like, those are really his MOs from what I can tell. Um, and he he does such a great job of being able to write songs where, uh, I forget who called him the, like, probably the best lyricist of our time. Okay. Um but he does such a good job lyrically of being able to mesh these worlds where he goes, the thing that I want to talk about is uh, I feel like I'm a loser. I feel like I can't uh, write. I feel like I can't actually, I feel like I'm a fraud, okay. which is, I think, a thing that everybody feels like. But he puts it in a character's mouth and has them sing it in a way that's like, oh, I could just sing that song. And you don't necessarily, you have to like think about it and go, okay. oh, that's what the song's about. <laughs> um, he's never really had any like pop chart topping hits except for Send in the Clowns, <laughs> which I think most people have heard of. Oh, yes. Uh, it's have- scary. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of like it in that sort of like ironic way. Like I'm not a big Sondheim person, but I haven't had a lot of exposure to him, but I really like Tin Pan Alley and mm-hmm. all the people who propagated that, you know, Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. pre-Candyman Sammy Davis Jr. That, and a lot of those people did that song later in their sort of twilight years. So it has this sort of very, I mean, the song is sad from what I remember, but it, it has in this like, well, the Beatles got popular and ruined all of our lives. Let's <laughs> Let's sing Send in the Clowns. <laughs> it's very sad. Uh, uh, yeah, the song comes from a little night music. And the song is basically a moment in the show where um, uh, uh, it, it's, it's truly devastating. It's basically it's just the disappointment of life. Uh, and the lead up is like someone 
has already rejected somebody and they finally kind of come back and there's this moment where it's like, no, now we could be together. And they're like, but I don't want you anymore. And it's like, that's what they're singing about. Like the clowns is supposed to be fools. Like send in the fools sounds stupid. (laughs) Send in the clowns doesn't sound much better. (laughs) No. But (laughs) it sounds maybe, no, you know what? It also doesn't sound good. Like send it's a bad title. I don't like the song very much. This is like the number one hit. People walk down. This is like one of the top wedding songs that people walk down the aisle to. Yes. I remember reading this several years ago where like, out of the top 10 songs, there's like some classical stuff and a few others. And Send in the Clowns, which is about rejection. It is not a love song by any means. And people are like, but I just love that song. Is the like, singer rejecting the clowns narratively? Well, the idea is like, uh, isn't this sweet that like at this moment when I could finally have you in my life, you're off with... I believe it. Okay. It's been a while since like I heard a little high music, but I believe the idea is like they're later in life and age wise. And she's like, yeah, we could, we could hook up now. And he's like, yeah, but I'm hooking up with somebody way younger. <laughs> oh. And she's like, oh, cool. Oh. Send in the clown. <laughs> yeah. Then. You know, basic, like you say. Yeah. Basic, <laughs> yeah. That old chestnut that we all know and love. Uh, and that's the thing is that when you think about, all the times that you've been at a moment where you're like, no, but I could do this now. And somebody goes, nah, I'm not yeah, interested. Not like, right oh, oh, yeah. God, that's crushing. Okay. Um, it's wild to me how many people think of that as like just a straight up love song. <laughs> and it's sad. It's a sad, slow song about basically like, it's just like a, oh, cool. Well, yeah. Here we are, I guess. This could have been a thing, and it's not. Fuck everything. Like, that's the attitude behind the song that you're supposed to sing it with. And it makes total sense that Sinatra popularized it, because that's his whole MO. It's his bag, yeah. It's a saloon song. Yeah, Yeah. he's just like, isn't it grand? Isn't, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it it makes perfect sense for somebody like him to sing. Uh, And I don't understand why anybody else is like that in love with it in the way that they think of it as like yeah. a love song. A wedding song. If I heard that at a wedding, I couldn't contain myself. Yeah. I, would, I would look at everybody else like, this is wrong, right? <laughs> this is not okay? It's, mm, yeah. Um, so obviously Sondheim has, uh, you kind of said, an influence on life. Mm-hmm. Have you ever actually made a different life decision because of Sondheim? Like, you, like you're talking about relationship things, like a relationship thing or a career thing where you're like, you know, this is a real send in the clown situation. <laughs> I've learned from Sondheim. <laughs> Here's how I should approach this. It's a real SITC sitch we got going, so I better bail. No, um, that's a, that's uh, a very... Sex in the city or send in the clowns. Okay. Same. And I, and I couldn't help but and I couldn't help but wonder, were we all the clowns? <laughs> um, that, you bring up something very interesting, and I'm trying to find a quote that I had written down. Um, as far as, I think definitely career-wise, um not just in creating a body of work, but there are certain things that I think that he did career-wise that are influential on me as like, oh yeah, I should do that. There's a great um, documentary on HBO called Six by Sondheim, if you haven't seen it. Cool. That just also feels very like, you watch that and you know how some people are like, read Born Standing Up or that kind of thing where it's like, ah, you'll you'll feel like... You'll get it. Yeah, you'll feel inspired. Okay. This is definitely, I think, in that category. Um, He's very big on... Do the thing that's dangerous. Uh, 
he had an interview recently where Lin-Manuel Miranda went to his townhouse in New York and they had a talk. Okay. And what had happened before was that Lin-Manuel Miranda was doing Spanish translations on West Side Story in which uh, Stephen Sondheim wrote the lyrics for. And so they became buds. And at the time... He's like, what are you working on? And he's like, oh, I'm doing this thing about Hamilton. And <laughs> Stephen Sondheim was like, that's perfect. No one will expect that from you. That's amazing. <laughs> Send me whatever you got. And so like over the next seven years, as uh, Miranda was writing Hamilton, he'd send lyrics to uh, Sondheim. And his big note he kept saying is variety. You have to surprise them. You have to keep surprising them. Okay. And so that's like been a big theme of his work, I think, is is definitely at least... Uh, imposing this idea that like you need to surprise your audience which yeah. is something that I've taken especially in comedy because like comedy is all about the unexpected and breaking expectations and the surprise so there's like a good lesson to be learned there that like oh whenever you're doing anything on stage period you want to try to surprise as much as possible so there's yeah. that just like kind of basic lesson and the idea of doing something that is dangerous and I think I don't remember exactly what he said to Lin-Manuel Miranda but it was along the lines of like people now probably want you to write every possible historical figure musical because they're like, hey, you did it great. And he's like, you should do the exact opposite of that. Don't do anything close to that because the thing that you need to be doing is challenging yourself and figuring out the thing that you want to say that's going to be totally different from the last thing because you don't ever want to put yourself in a position where you feel comfortable. Okay. And that's something that I've tried to take to heart. Um, and whether it's with... Big stuff, short stuff, whatever. Just trying to think like, not only is it what do I want to say right now, but also how can I make this uncomfortable for myself? Okay. In a good way. Yeah. So when you when you do that, when you try to make yourself uncomfortable, like you've got an, another sketch show coming up and you're trying to write a sketch that you really haven't thought of before, that's nothing like the sketch before, is it a joyous feeling of like, hey, I'm jumping off this cliff and I don't know how I'm going to land, but it's fun jumping? Or is it like you actually literally feel uncomfortable? Like, thanks, Sondheim. This is awful. I feel awful today, but it'll be worth it. I think it's both. I think there is a sense of like, oh, it's fun to do something that I haven't done before. Yeah. And that, as you said, the jumping off the cliff feeling of like, oh, God. But there's that anticipatory feeling before you jump off the cliff. Like, so many people, I think, that uh, do any kind of like extreme sport type thing. Like yeah. people who have done skydiving, they're like, oh, it's amazing. And I'm like, I bet it wasn't amazing when you're in the plane. <laughs> I bet in the plane you were freaked the fuck out and going like, why did I agree to pay someone money to throw me this high in the sky and might die? And I might die. Yeah. Like, but there's the... What I you're, can't even get a refund if I do. Yeah. Right. What you're remembering later is the after feeling of like, I did it. Yes. And... I think that's something that he's trying to push people towards. Um, and I really respect that because yeah. I think so many people tend to rely on old bag of tricks. Um, there's, I think, a very big difference between what your voice is and like what you naturally gravitate towards, which is just like, oh, I find this thing funny or, oh, I want to talk about this particular subject. Yeah. And then there's what you are scared of talking mm. about. Those are things you still need to say. Those are things you still need to discuss with a larger audience because you have a compulsion and or disease, which is how <laughs> I like to describe comedy. Like, help, I would anything, anything else. Yeah. But near we are. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, that's, I think, a 
a key difference. And I think when you're first starting out, it's like, just try to write. Just try, yeah. just practice, 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 like we talked about. And then the better you get at it, then it becomes, okay, well, what can I write that is something I haven't done before? And then it's not just what you haven't done before. It's what can I write that I haven't done before that's also, like, important to me. And if somebody... If somebody saw me over my shoulder doing this right now, I'd want to shut my laptop off and go, hi, what's up? I wasn't doing anything <laughs> sneaky and suspicious. What are you talking about? Right. You want to be able to surprise yourself and the people who are looking over your shoulder. Yeah. And I think that that is something that he he's very humble. Like a lot of times when I've read interviews with him, he's very like, yeah, I wrote some stuff. And he just, like, doesn't give himself any credit. People are like, so you're America's greatest living, com- like, uh, you know, musical yeah. theater person. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. But he said, uh, like, he, I read his Wikipedia pages. I do for all of my obsessed topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like he had some real highs and some real lows where he would have hit after hit. And then we'd have three things in a row that don't, uh, that didn't go anywhere. Yes. Um, and by didn't go anywhere, like huge, obvious Broadway failure, right? And yeah. It's, it's one thing for us to look back at a career like that as like, you are a living legend. You wrote this, 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 and this. And of course you have those four things that bombed, but then to think about him living through it in linear time, mm-hmm. it's like, may, uh, do you think his humility comes from that? Like, look, I know I make, I have made some amazing things and I made some things that didn't work. I think it's a bunch of things. I think it's definitely that stuff because he had a bunch of bombs for a guy that uh, has had this much work. Yeah. Um, he hasn't, like, I remember Miranda's really done, like, what, two? And then I think he wrote the music and songs for the Bring It On musical, um, <laughs> which I think for him was, like, I think I read once, he's like, look, I got a kid. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Okay, you need to get, you need to get paid. Bring on um, the cash. But like the other, it's like two and two. Like <laughs> when that, when is that guy gonna fail? You know, is he going to fail? I think we think that a lot about. Uh, um, there's a bunch of people out there. Like yeah. even Kubrick has failed. Like I wouldn't necessarily call every single one of his movies a hit, but he's like considered one of the greatest directors of all time. Yeah. But I don't think every, you know. Not every movie is a smash success. Um, and so it's really like, what do you, when he looks back at his life, I'm sure he is thinking, hey, there were some times where it wasn't all that great. Yeah. Um, but even though we're just going like, but this and this and this. Uh, I think also a big part of it is, from what I understand, his childhood was kind of messed up. Okay. Um, his parents split when he was a kid. Oh, yes. And... His mom was pretty emotionally abusive, and I believe she wrote a letter once that said, my only regret in life was giving birth to you, <laughs> which is fucked <laughs> up. It's, it's awful. It's truly awful. I'd like to live with that, to yeah. live with somebody who is basically saying, you know, you're nothing to me, yeah. but also, you know, that's your mom saying that. Yeah, so I I'm sure a cartoon villain for a mother. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure so much of his humility also comes from him genuinely having to take like years and years and years of undoing it through therapy or whatever to go like, no, I, I, I deserve my Tonys. <laughs> you <laughs> I know? deserve to exist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't, yeah, I should be here. As opposed to, like, everybody else that has a normal parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least ones who don't publicly wish that you yes. don't exist. Yeah. So if you could meet Sondheim, would you would you want to? And, and if you did, what would you try to ask him about? Ooh, I don't know. First off, he's very old at this point. <laughs> so there's a part of me that's like, oh, do, you know, 
And also, like, do you ever want to meet your heroes? Yeah, uh, it's a choice. Yeah. Ah, part of me says no. But let's say there was a situation where suddenly I'm in little Mama Miranda's shoes and I get to interview him. Yeah. Um, I guess the things that I would ask him about feel like they're a lot about the creative process, which then feels like he's rehashing stuff. Maybe one of them would be like, <laughs> so your mother, this terrible woman, like, how'd you deal with that? Okay. For him to have created so much work, um, I think in some respects he's definitely a workaholic. There's a whole song from Something in the Park with George called Finishing the Hat. And uh, it's basically the the painter George Seurat who did the pointillism painting that you see at the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, It's a musical about him making that painting, which is in real life, or if you've seen from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that <laughs> huge painting where uh, Cameron just is like, oh, as he stares into the abyss of all these teeny tiny little dots. And so I'm like, oh, what made you want to write about that guy? And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's because you're an obsessive guy, isn't it? <laughs> okay, and if you're an obsessive guy, you're probably also a super perfectionist. And uh, it makes me want to ask him, given what you write... Something like finishing the hat is all about uh, being a workaholic. And just like at the end, he's like, look, I made a hat where there wasn't a hat. And the point is, he's like, how come people are like mad at me that I want to stay inside and work on my work? And that's kind of what the song's about. Uh, And the answer is, oh, because they want to like, because loved ones want to spend time with me. (laughs) But he doesn't see it. Send in the loved ones. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't see it that way. I think he sees it as like, I have my work and I have my puzzles. He's a big game guy. He's a big puzzle guy. Oh, yeah. Super I was blown away by reading that on the Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. He loves puzzles. Loves crossword puzzles. Um, and he he's one of those guys that would, like, create his own version of Cones of Dunshire and probably has for <laughs> close friends. And, like, he gives that out at Christmas and they're like, cool, thanks, dude. Uh, <laughs> he, yeah, I guess... There's a roundabout way of saying that my question to him would be like, you seem like an obsessive person. How do you get past that in order to put out all this work? Yeah. And like, at what point do you go, it's good enough? Um, And at what point do you set aside your perfectionist tendencies? Interesting. I tend to be a perfectionist as well. And there's plenty of times where I have to just stop and go, it's done. It's done. You have to put it up now. It's done. Yeah. Um, Which is a great thing about putting up stuff. Uh, in front of a crowd is you're like, well, there's a deadline. Uh, It's now. So (laughs) get out there and do what you can. Here's my hat I made. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like the hat, maybe the hat isn't finished, but... Eh, Close enough. Yeah. Um, How would you feel if you just got an opportunity to go to Sondheim's house and basically say to him, like, look, you've given a million interviews. I know your thoughts. Uh, Here's one of my sketches. (laughs) You watch something I made. Oh, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I think, well, I mean, if I showed him... (laughs) depressed i think he i don't know if he'd like it or not i've also written two musicals at ucb or co-written cool and so there's a part of me that's like do i show him that but i'm like nah, then he'll rip them apart because <laughs> i know what i've done they're great they're fine i i feel like i'm shitting on myself I, a lot of people love them but uh there's one that i did about breaking bad and one about batman cool. um but i think I would try to show him the thing where I'm like, look, I tried to open up that thing that you encourage. What do you think about that? Oh, and nice. I, I don't know what the reaction would be on his end. He might be like, mm, do it more. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get the vibe from reading articles with him where he seems like he's very warm, but also somebody who's probably likely to be like, 
you could do better. And you're like, <laughs> oh, that's so cold. <laughs> maybe but not, maybe not. In a way, I mean, you when you were describing um, ideas of challenging yourself in your work, it's kind of what you're imagining Sondheim saying. Yeah. But in a crueler way. Yeah. <laughs> in my mind, he's mean. No. Yeah. No, it's, it's I'm sure always he's a nice guy. It's always a risk to meet your heroes. I've yes. met some heroes, and sometimes it's gone great, and other times it's been okay, fair enough. All right. I still enjoy your work. Um, I was so taken with the, the video game thing. Uh, on Wikipedia, it said uh, Merrily's failure greatly affected Sondheim. He was ready to quit theater and do movies, create video games, yes. or write mysteries. Yes. What the hell is the video game stuff about? <laughs> Merrily We Roll Along is a really underrated musical and kind of now a cult classic-ish, but it, I think it only I ran would, for like nine performances. I was shocked to discover that it was a flop because just being in the general theater and, you know, art world, I feel like I hear about it all the time. Yeah, and a lot of the songs I think have like kind of come around. It was in Lady Bird. That is this, the musical that they put on at the high okay. school. And I feel like it's had a little bit more of a... Musical theater cult standing out. It's like, oh, yeah, you know the hits, but do you know Merrily? I feel like <laughs> that's like the next level up where it's okay. like, oh, okay, all right, see what I'll do. All right, all right. Uh, and the thing about it is that it is a weirdly abstract concept because it basically goes backwards in time. So okay. it starts in the present, which at that point is like the mid 70s, and then goes back to the 50s. So by the midway point, they're like, you know, 10 years prior. So everybody's okay. getting younger. Um, and you kind of see where these three friends, how they ended up at that point, which is a very cool thing to do to play with uh, form and time like that. Um, but uh, clearly people are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and, <laughs> how time go back? Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand. I need linear. <laughs> Goodbye. And so, but I get that feeling so much. Like, I don't exactly know how he was like, fuck it, I'll get into video games. Yeah. I don't exactly know where that jump comes from. But I do love the idea because if you are a creative person in any endeavor, even if you're not, you've had moments where at your job you have failed. Yeah. You have failed at the thing you're trying to do. I think especially if you're a creative person and there's so many moments where you go, oh, what am I doing? I should just move to Portland and make jam. <laughs> like everyone has a Portland make jam fantasy. And for him, it's just make a video game. I, I also like that he's like, maybe I'll write mystery. Like it's so all over the map. Like he's clearly yes. just like, what the fuck am I doing? And it's very heartening yeah. to me. I'm no longer a musical genius, so I must... <laughs> Design video games or create mysteries. Right. It's just so bizarre and beautiful. Yes. I relate to it so hard. What do you think a Sondheim <laughs> video game would be like? Would it be um, fucked up and nonlinear? And... It would be very abstract, but I think it'd also be like puzzle based. It'd okay. be very Tetrisy, I think. <laughs> but somehow involve wordplay. Like you have to get the Tetris pieces to fall in a certain way and then it will spill out a spell out like a clever little bit of phrasing. Okay. Like it's almost like you're playing hangman. But you need okay. to solve a puzzle to solve the hangman. So it'd be like hangman, Tetris, rock band. Yes. Very, <laughs> yeah. I feel like if that's the kind of thing that he would want to design where it's like, let's do Scrabble, but let's make Scrabble really hard and also not all that fun. <laughs> well, on to mysteries then for Sondheim. <laughs> and uh, then I feel like if you wrote mysteries, it would be like, it would start off like, oh, I know what this is. And then you'd be like, what? Not in a let's just introduce whatever we want kind of way, but it would be like, uh, now we're going to play with uh, time and the form of the mystery. It'd be like, this is a mystery novel, but it's also, you know, and it'd be like four other genres mixed in and you'd be like, 
uh, oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, musical theater is the form for him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, since it's a big one that everybody knows and talks about, I wanted to ask you about Into the Woods. Mm-hmm. Are you, do you like Into the Woods? Do I you do. relate to it? I do like Into the Woods a lot. Uh, Baker's Wife is like definitely, if I ever got big enough, that's the like, ooh, here's my, I'm shipping in. I'm chipping in my cats. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. I don't, know how, I don't know how to talk. You can't put me on Broadway. What the fuck am I doing? Uh, yes. Cashing in my chips. Yeah. Uh, that is the thing that I would call an agent and be like, I want to be on the stage. Put me in this show. I don't you know see, why. see, I have 1930s voice. Yeah. <laughs> and so I belong in the theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the war is still going on. Still hard, still long. That's the war. Uh, uh, the, uh, yeah. the original World War One. It wasn't called World War I, War it was I at the time. The, it was war. the long, hard war. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was the long, hard war again. <laughs> That's what people mark. don't realize. 1942 is they were just like, I don't, maybe it's going to be this long again. We don't uh, know. Uh, <laughs> here we go again. Uh, what is, uh, I saw the movie. I haven't seen the stage show. Uh, what what is Baker's wife? Um, d- that's Emily Blunt's role. Okay, in the movie. Um, uh, but is it a specific I... song when you say Baker's no, wife? No, just the the role of okay. that woman. So I feel like she gets some of the better songs, and I'm not a high enough soprano on the soprano, but I don't think I can hit this the high notes as well as Anna Kendrick does being okay. the princess. <laughs> and I also think I'm like maybe a little too old for the role. Maybe not, but like. If you put me on stage, you'd be like, oh, I'm Princess and Cinderella's <laughs> a mature Cinderella, less of a young maiden Cinderella. Um, it's a fresh new take. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just age everybody up. <laughs> How about that? So I can be in it. This yeah. is about me now. So is it, though, about what role you can play now? Or is it about there's something you've sp- you've spoken so eloquently about? the meaning of certain songs what is it about the baker's wife role that's powerful to you uh i think it's the fact that so the whole musical is let's do fairy tales and so the first act is doing a bunch of brothers Grimm fairy tales that kind of all weave in together and by the second act everybody got what they wanted all the wishes came true and it's like your actions have consequences. So the fact that they wished for certain things and that they came true, no one thought through, what does that mean? (laughs) Um, So now everybody's in trouble and their world is literally going to fall apart. Um, And uh, her, among other characters, are kind of like a little bit more out for themselves. Um, The show kind of proves how selfish, I think, people can be. When they don't stop to consider, like, your actions have consequences, not just on your environment at large, but on other people. Yeah. Because as everybody tries to get things that they need or want in that first act, it affects, like, how that person's family is going to be. And this person is going to have to deal with something else later. Um, Plus, she gets to have sex with one of the princes. (laughs) So, (laughs) that's fun. (laughs) Fair enough. Asked and answered. Um, If Sondheim wrote a musical about you, about your life, what do you think that would be like? Oh, good Lord. Uh, I think it would be somewhat sad, (laughs) but... Ultimately, I feel like it would be a combo of some of the other stuff that maybe he's done. I'd like to think 
that there would be enough to go off of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I think we all do with our lives. Like the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, am I interested enough to, you know, have a whole musical written about? Like my, the, the my water life polo is point? one song all by itself, <laughs> at least. Like, yeah, there's plenty of interesting things. Uh, but what what would you want it to highlight? Like you you feel like you've described this sort of journey you've gone on of trying to, to find your place, really finding your place with uh, theater and art and in comedy would you want it to be about the discovery of that i think that that is definitely one way to go i've often thought about oh in that way that one does in a super narcissistic fashion like if i get to write a memoir what's that gonna be (laughs) you know uh and i always thought you know the thing that interests me the most and maybe it's because it's a thing i don't see a lot of is the part in people's lives that is the here's me trying to make it yeah. part. And I think that a lot of people tend to jump from like, here's a few things about me as a kid or a teen. Here's a fun story from my early 20s. Um, and then I was successful. <laughs> and then it's like, no. Like one of the things that I love about C. Martin's book is he's like, it was a long, hard slog. And even if he got like a job here, a job there, he's like, no one was taking me seriously. I was still doing this and that. Like he really gets into like how long that took yeah. it to get there. Uh, which I respect putting that on paper and going like, this took a while. And then once it took off, there's so very little about once he actually took off. It's so much more about the process of getting there. So I feel like that is, to me, what a whole lot of it would be. And maybe do flashback scenes to like, here I am as a kid and like why this moment seems important because... I also feel like the framework would just be me on my therapist couch. (laughs) (laughs) It would just be that. And then it would cut to like, here I am trying to do something and then cut to flashbacks. So it'd be extremely confusing for everyone because they'd be like, is it the present? Is this a future now? What the the hell's happening? Yeah. Yeah, What's going on? (laughs) How old is she? (laughs) Uh, What would it be called? Ooh. Uh,. Maybe. (laughs) Again? (laughs) Both good answers. That's two good musicals right there. Together. Maybe? Again? (laughs) We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. These are questions I ask all my guests or variations of them. Do you think about Stephen Sondheim and or his music every day? No, but I do think about it often. Okay. Now, why is that a no? What crowds it out? Other music. I love music. And I love movies and TV. So there's, you know, if I'm watching The Americans, I'm like, oh, I don't know. And it, there's not like yeah. room for it to be all of a sudden like, oh, this reminds me of that song. Um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. My wife and I just watched all the Americans, and it, it's occupying a lot of my mind. I'm yeah. in the middle of it right now. Oh, okay. And I am very much on edge all the time when I go outside. Like, I keep thinking that someone's spying on me. It's, it's not true. I know it's not true, but I can't help but feel it just watch, consuming that many hours of yeah. watching them do crazy, crazy spy work. Yeah, also, slow, their, intense spy stuff. Also, all their disguises are amazing. <laughs> Every time they come out in a new disguise, I'm like, how did you do that? Uh, you know, speaking of process, that's the one thing that bothered me of the Americans, which is like, give us more wig time. Yeah. I want to see the process. Yeah, I want to see you putting on that spearmint gum and like really making it glue to your head because they're fucking with those wigs on. Those are not cheap-ass wigs. Like, they're taking... 
a lot of time to create these disguises. Yeah. Not metaphorical fucking. Actually fucking with wigs on. Right. Yeah. To get information. But still, like, <laughs> it's, anyway. It's great. very intense. So things like that. Yeah. Drive Sondheim out of your mind. Fair yes. enough. When people walk into your home, can they tell you're obsessed with Stephen Sondheim? No. Uh, I think it's also because, like, I don't have a lot of musical theater art okay. up. Um, I'd like to get a record player, and I feel like in doing that, then I could have, you know. Yeah. Um, there's also, he has, like, a big coffee table book called Finishing the Hat that I just haven't purchased because I'm cheap. So <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone wants to get me a birthday gift, um, but... That, I think, might be a thing where if once I finally get that, then people go, oh, and, you know, page through. But yeah. there's not that many things I feel like I could put up on the walls that I would appreciate aesthetically yeah. that also match. Okay, fair enough. Are any of your obsessions obvious on walking into your home, or is your home a little bit more a uh, uh, cornucopia? Well, more cornucopia. Uh, I do love Disneyland. Okay. And so I think one of the few things that you might be able to point out is I have these prints from the tiki room that were done by shag that the weather limited time thing where it's kids with the various totems oh, that cool. are part of the tiki room and done in the shag art style if you know who that artist is and uh if you saw those you might go like oh i recognize that this is from this thing is this something you obviously have interest in but it's also <laughs> kind of cartoony looking and i just like a specific style of art okay so cool cool would you ever get a Sondheim tattoo? No. <laughs> is this you, a... I don't know. He he could, in his twilight years right now, he could really say something racist. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm so afraid in the All era right. we live in now with what people <clears throat> may or may not say that... Understandable. I, uh, yeah, I think... Well, let's say... Too many examples today. <laughs> sadly, he has passed... Imagine, sadly, he has passed on. Mm-hmm. He has successfully not said anything horribly racist. Or Congrats! Publicly, <laughs> it's noted at his funeral in mm-hmm. his obituary because yeah. it's rare. Noted and not a racist. <laughs> <laughs> Passed away at the age of without saying a single awful. Although I do feel um, like he said something <clears throat> semi-controversial recently, where I think with the new West Side Story remake that uh, Steven Spielberg wants to make, okay. I think he was kind of like. You know, why would you want to change it? Oh, right, because Spielberg said that he was going to cast actually right, and I don't, people, and right? I don't know if it's that that bumped for him. I think it was like stuff in specific pieces in the music, okay. maybe where I think he was kind of like, "That's how it is," or "That's what the show is," and I'm fucking this up because I can't remember all the specifics, but I remember reading like. Oh no, you're not gonna you're not gonna do something stupid in your last years, are you? So he just danced near it, but not quite. Yeah, I think. Okay, fair. I'm enough. sure some people would argue, like, no, oh, it's a problem and I, I don't remember it well enough to be able to go like, Oh, it's definitely a problem. Yes, so. all those things are worth discussion and debate, right? Yes. Uh but if he died, he hadn't said anything, is it the kind of thing that you'd want to get a tattoo of, or is it just an aversion? Two tattoos? Oh, I just don't have any tattoos. That's okay. a big part of it. Yeah. I'd get like a card. Like a nice <laughs> like a nice card a I could put. Two of a card? No, no, no. Like just like a card with his face <laughs> on it. I could put on like my fridge. That's that is so on the other end of the spectrum. 
of commitment. Would you get a tattoo? No, I'd, Why, I'd put I, something on my fridge. There's a, reason com- there's a reason Company is my favorite musical. <laughs> the one about the guy who can't commit to anything. I, okay, part of the reason enough. I don't have any tattoos is because I am so afraid of choosing the wrong one. Right. Where I, I look at a wall of stuff or I think about art that I would want to put on my body and I go... Oh, but what if you just don't like it in a month? Okay. And that has definitely held me back. But what if, I'll ask this one one more way and then we can, I'll let it go. <laughs> if some strange metaphysical creature appeared and it's like, mm-hmm. your choice is to get a tattoo now mm-hmm. or immediately perish. Mm-hmm. Or in fact, the whole world is going to perish. Mm-hmm. You, so you have to get a tattoo. Mm-hmm. What would Sondheim be on the top of the list? Yeah, I might consider lyric lines. Okay. And put that somewhere. Uh, okay. Especially maybe like in a either a wrist situation or somewhere where it's like, oh, I'm going to see it as like a reminder. Is a reminder to like, like how to live. Right. To finish the hat or whatever. Yes, exactly. Okay. That kind of thing. Nice. All right. Would you go to a four day Stephen Sondheim convention? That would be a hoot. That would <laughs> or it would get real annoying after like the eight, first day because it'd either be like we're all in it together being yeah. nerds or it'd be like, I need you motherfuckers to stop <laughs> singing. I I think it, kind of, it would just depend on my mood. <laughs> yeah. But I think that uh, this reminds me of, so my sister did a little bit of high school theater, not like a crazy amount, but just okay. enough. And Older or younger? Younger. Okay. And she went to a convention of sorts that was i think they were doing scenes so was it drama competitions that kind of thing something of that nature and so there's other high schoolers in this big auditorium and they're doing i think scenes for judges and stuff so they're rehearsing and she looks over and her and her friends see this guy who they she can only describe it as imaginary fencing like it seemed like he was pretending to duel somebody and then he sees them he sees these girls noticing him and he looks at them and without any irony says who am i i am creativity oh god it's one of my favorite stories ever. Did but anyone follow up with them? Or were no, they, like, they burst out laughing. They were just like, shut up. And I think they just turned. And I don't know if that guy saw or had any feelings. I don't know if he quit trauma because of their reaction to this. Uh, I'm going to go create video games or write mysteries. <laughs> I'm done. I am creativity. It's the stupidest, <laughs> most theater kid yeah. thing to say. Uh, and brash. And so I wonder, but I think it would be a lot of fun. I think the seminars would be fun. I yeah. think it'd be a lot of like, you know, breakdowns of what specific songs mean. I'm sure that there's some sort of like karaoke off, much like at San Diego Comic-Con. There's yeah. the giant costume contest. There must be some kind of like everybody's got to get up here and do their best rendition of something. Oh, yeah. I would love if it was just one night where it's like we're all only going to sing the same song <laughs> and see who does that best. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, have you had people to share this with? Obviously, there are a ton of people who love Sondheim, and I'm sure doing theater and comedy, you can find other people. So do you feel isolated in this, or do you like sharing it with other people? I don't feel isolated in this, but I don't think I share it with a lot of people, mostly because I think that 
if you like musicals, that's enough. That already kind of puts you in a category, you know? I'm not putting myself in a smaller box. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it f- definitely <laughs> feels like a little a little baby box within a box. Yeah. Um, so if you're already like, oh, yeah, I like musicals and can name off stuff, like that's enough, I think, to be able to get by in most conversations or be able to share some of that information okay. with. But there are a few folks that I'm friends with that I feel like, oh, no, I could talk to them about this for hours okay. and really get into detail, much in the same way that... Um, you know, you talk about any movie or TV show. Yeah, cool. Would you break up with someone who hated Stephen Sondheim? Ooh, no, but I would be like, <laughs> what's wrong with you and your taste? Like, I would, I'd have questions. Yeah. I think it, it would be like on the list of things where if we eventually broke up, I'd go, and he hated Sondheim? Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, had, I was already on my list of questions I was going to ask because they rotate these around, but it's extra powerful for you if you grew up with a parent who was like, no Sondheim in this house. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm dating my mother. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Just like, a oh, we're not doing musicals. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to have to relive that. Yeah. The thing about mm, a lot of comedy folks is that they're secret theater kids. They just are like the theater kids who got by with, you know, making people laugh. It's like a weird mix, I think, in comedy where you've got people who were the the way I learned to self-defend and cope with trauma is by making people laugh. Yeah. And then you've got a group of people who are like, I always wanted to be an actor and, you know, I idolize blah, blah, so-and-so um, or this specific thing and somehow it led me down the path of comedy. Yeah. Um. And then I think you have like straight up theater kids that somehow were like, well, I'm not going to be the leading man type or like, well, I gravitated towards this because this is more fun. Um, There's a ton of musically theater, musical theater minded folks just within UCB, let alone like anybody else that you could consider comedy community in L.A. And just L.A. In New York, I think there's even more of it because that's where it all lives. Broadway. Yeah, exactly. So. I think that there's lots of crossover. Um, so I don't I don't think I've ever run into anybody who just flat out hates him. I think it's much more like, oh, I don't know his work at all. Yeah. Or just, oh, I'm not a musical person. And yeah. I go, all right, okay. I'm not going to like thrust that on a person. Right. Not a deal breaker. Right. I think that's probably healthy. <laughs> <laughs> if Sondheim was going to write another musical, would you contribute to his Kickstarter? Yes, but also I'm like, that guy's got to have money, right? I don't know. It's a little like the Zach, is it Zach Braff? He had the Kickstarter going. Oh, yeah. And I was like, fuck you, man. You have (laughs) money. Like, you don't need other people to pay for this. Yeah. Um, I don't feel that way about like all my friends, Patreons who are setting up stuff because they're like, hi, this is the way I'm trying to make my living. Yeah. I feel like he must have income and royalties. But if suddenly they were like, listen, I'm dead ass broke. They're going to evict (laughs) me from my townhouse that I own somehow. And I need your help. Like this will help me live. Then yeah, yeah of course I would throw in a few bucks, maybe. What and you... I don't donate to anybody's stuff. <laughs> Good to know. Don't email Nadia. No, uh, you can email me. I'll just delete it. Don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an asshole. If he just straight up said, "I'm gonna write a musical about Kickstarter," so I want to experience it, so I'm gonna run one. Would you contribute then, or just be like? I'll let you know about the failure of Kickstarters and you can write about that. I think at that point I'd be like, hold the fuck up. <laughs> Steven Sondheim, of all the topics that he could chose, choose this late in life, is going to write about Kickstarter. <laughs> 
the platform where people give money to have other people make things. I think that I might be like, there's part of me that might be morbidly curious and go, yeah, yeah. All right, here's a dollar. Yeah. Impress me. <laughs> I want to see what you do with Kickstarter the musical. Show me something, Sondheim. Yeah, and another part of me I think would just be furious. Yeah. That, like, so it's come to this, <laughs> the fucking Kickstarter musical. Thank God I never got that tattoo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is why I can't. See, you get it now. I do, I do. If you were at a party and you heard someone say an incorrect fact about Stephen Sondheim, would you correct them? Uh, I might, but I do it politely. Okay. I don't think I'd be the person who comes in and goes like, um, actually, uh, yeah. cause number one, buzz off, you know, we're all adults. People are going <laughs> to screw stuff up. But if I'm in the middle of like a raucous conversation and somebody said like, oh, uh, the song is from Into the Woods, I'd be like, oh, no, no, it's Gypsy. That's the one, okay. you know, more yeah. positive yeah, as opposed to being the person who's going to come in and be like, I'm here to bust your balls for <laughs> no good reason apart from I want to be right. Fair enough. Um, if you heard someone being just negative or just saying like Sondheim is overrated you know andrew lloyd weber get the fuck out if they're just being mean about sondheim would you want to weigh in not necessarily like fight or attack but would you want to engage on that yeah definitely okay that's the thing where i'd be like okay hold on let's (laughs) take everything back that you just said have you heard about send in the clouds yes (laughs) the greatest wedding song ever i also think especially compared to other musical theater people that are out there like you just mentioned andrew lloyd weber who i think has like more probably People know Cats. People know Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Um, and they're good shows, but they're also like, it kind of feels like Stephen Sondheim's the Robert Altman, and those other guys might be more like the Spielberg. Okay. Or like the Scorsese to the Spielberg. Okay. Something like that, where it's like, no, but this guy's like influential, and I would want to be that. I would want to be an influence on other people. I would want to be around other people who want somebody who is influenced or believes in the idea of you know yeah influence and respect versus just like here's the guy who showed up and did a thing <laughs> and that sounds so shitty because like so much of what i enjoy weber so it's great like yeah. steven schwartz great like i don't want to just rag on those but for guys, you sondheim but... has that deep connection that we have sometimes to to someone that you feel like you are a true artist this is your heart and your soul and how your mother felt about you is in every note of your music like yes you really to him on that level absolutely versus like i still don't know what cats is about (laughs) like i can't describe that show to you at all i know that there is a whole song about one of the cats who is apparently the midnight train conductor to gloucestershire i think (laughs) that's accurate i and i read that once and i went i no i'm out i'm out what the fuck is this what is this show the whole show is basically like my understanding of cats is uh, one of us gets to die, and so we get to pick which one's going to ascend to heaven. Okay. And I'm like, what? What? No. <laughs> Why does this have to do with cats in the first place? Like, it just, There's so many layers on layers on layers in that show that are, I completely don't understand, but it's a spectacle. Yeah. So I think people are impressed by the spectacle of it versus you know these very thoughtful musicals where it's like, and so much of the stuff that Sondheim did, he worked with... Um, Hammerstein uh, as a teen he was like mentored by him which is crazy it's like if any one of us was like 
oh, uh, you know, Mel Brooks mentored us in comedy. <laughs> like, what? Um, the, you know, he's the go-to musical yeah. guy. Um, and I remember reading once that he gave him like a challenge because uh, Sondheim had written a couple of things when he was a teen. I like, uh, I think one of the musicals called Boy George <laughs> or, or By George. Not Boy George. That's a different guy. <laughs> but they could be the same. I get <laughs> For a second, I was like, wow, I, that's where he got the name. I, I know. I was like, ah, oh, I hope that's where he got the name. Um, uh, anyway, so Hammerstein kind of was like, I can tell you why this sucks. And he's like, yeah. And they sat down for an afternoon and Hammerstein was like, here's why your show sucks. And he's like, oh, they ended up being this huge learning experience. He's yeah. like, I learned so much more in that day than like I ever did, you know, any other day. Um, and he gave him kind of a homework assignment that I don't know if he ever completed, which is like, I want you to write a musical that's based on an existing play that's based on like a play no one really knows or remembers. Um, that's based on like a historical figure and then an original thing. Okay, cool. And I think like, oh, that's a fun, uh, homework assignment that you had to like figure out how, you know, these pieces would work. And then I go and I look at what other people have done and I started thinking about like, okay, yeah, like Pippin is kind of based on this weird take on a sh- like a Charlemagne medieval legend. Um, uh, Hamilton's based on Hamilton and Cats is supposed to be based on these poems and I don't know what the fuck it's about <laughs> and I get so mad talking about Cats because I'm sitting there going like assassins that's about all the people that tried to kill US presidents that's a fun that's a fun morbid topic <laughs> but it's still like okay I get where this is coming from what the fuck is Cats about so, okay I understand I, I understand I, I understand I would be happy hated. to see assassins except for they're just inexplicably dressed as cats. That would be my dream. See, that's what cats is. It's like that. It's like, hey, let's take something that could work probably with humans, but they're also cats. And I and I and I like like I like the animal, the cat. I don't understand how they they've given it such a bad name. (laughs) All right, so this is a mutual like a kind of a double header of obsessed with Stephen Sondheim, anti obsessed with cats. A uh, yes. couple more how obsessed are you questions. If the only way you could see your favorite Sondheim uh, show on film again, like a movie version, was stealing it from Target, would you do it? Yeah, fuck Target. <laughs> <laughs> they got the money. They, they can figure it out. <laughs> Target and Zach Braff have all the money. Yes. Yeah, yeah those are the, th- yeah, <laughs> them and the oil companies. There's three people with money, and I'm not one of them. All right, this is an animal-based question. No cats, though. Mm-hmm. If you were about to see a Sondheim musical live, one that you really wanted to see, but then a bear was blocking your way into the theater, would you try to get around the bear? Yes, just very carefully. I feel like I'd maybe try to be sneak up in the mezzanine and be like, or is the mezzanine? You know, up yeah, at the, the top like and the be balcony, like, yeah. "Hi, I gotta, I gotta get up here because there's a bear <laughs> down there." I also feel like you know, at that moment, you're like, "Oh, should I tell someone?" But you don't want to be rude. You're like, "That bear paid a lot of money to be in that ticket, <laughs> in that seat too." Like these are expensive tickets to see the show. Okay, I see. You're, you're. I was picturing the bear blocking the door, but you, the, you, in your mind, the bear is in your seat. Oh yeah, no, the bear is like. It's like when you go to the movies and then a tall person sits in front of you, and you're like, "Well, fuck. I, this is the arc light. I can't like tell them to move. They right. deliberately bought D12 or whatever, and they have to be very tall at the arc light with rake seating like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's happened a couple times, and I go. Oh, all right, I'll just kind of move to the left. I feel like I would do everything I could to be like, okay, let's. I just. Mm. But you wouldn't just freak out out of fear. Your love of Sondheim would prevail over any bear fear. 
Yeah, although I would be deathly afraid during the whole show. I'd be like, this is beautiful. I might die tonight. <laughs> when will the bear go into a rage? Yeah. <laughs> when will the bear think that there's food on stage and then kill this. the cat? <laughs> the bear's like, just sitting there. But like, chilling. what if it's like a Paddington type, you oh, know? Yeah. I don't want to like put, I don't want to say all bears are a certain way. Yeah, I mean, that probably would actually be like, you want to think that would be cuter, but I yeah. think that would be more frightening Actually, if a CGI bear <laughs> was sitting in a live theater. Actually, I think if Paddington was sitting in front of me, I would be equally annoyed because he'd keep like trying to eat jars of marmalade and he'd say things out loud oh, like, yes. that was very, very good. And I'd be like, you have to shut up when they sing. Shut the you fuck just up, clap, Paddington. You wait. This is, do you know any theater etiquette? And then he'd be like, no, I'm from Darkest Peru. And then he'd go into a long bit about being from Darkest Peru. Yeah. And I'd be like, this is not, you're stealing the spotlight. I also feel like at some Paul point. Paul would get stuck on the program. Yes. He'd try to shake it off and he'd hit a person. Yes. And they'd spurt blood. And, and then, yeah. yeah, and then that blood would hit an actor. And then they'd <laughs> somehow like grab the lights from backstage. And the stage would come crashing down. And then he'd have to leave. Or somehow he would end up in the show. People would be yeah. like, a Bear? Let's invite the bear on stage. The only way to save the show. Yeah. Oh and, my. And me? yeah, and then he then he get a standing <laughs> ovation, and I'd be like, this fucker. I came here <laughs> to see a Steven Sondheim production, like the last one he'll probably ever do, because he's been. They've had his like 80th birthday concert for like 14 years in a row now. <laughs> Paddington and I love Paddington yeah I love I loved him when I was a kid when I was uh in kindergarten I used to watch these old BBC cartoons and it's like the animated Paddington uh I was one of those people that's like I think they might be ruining my childhood when I first realized they're doing a CGI (laughs) version and I watched that and I was like this is delightful and beautiful and this is what we need in the world but if that guy ruins my son's time, I'm going to take his stupid hat and shove it through his body. <laughs> I think that is a good answer to the bear question. I ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. Uh, do you have a Sondheim noise? <laughs> is that a kind of noise that one would find in Sondheim? Or is that just a general musical theater noise? I think it's a musical theater noise. I guess a Sondheim one would be like... Uh, and all these words sort of kind of rhyme. Okay. Nice. That's great. <laughs> rhyming. Kind of a, the rhyming and the rhyming. And it goes really fast in staccato. <laughs> uh, all right. I have everyone rate their obsession on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, we'll say. Uh, 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest. For you, what do you think your Sondheim obsession level is? I would say a nine, even though I don't think I know every single fact about yeah. it. But it, he means so much to me, and his work means so much to me. Yeah, but obsession I, level isn't trivia score level. It's right. obsession, and clearly like it does mean a lot to you. Yeah, nine, 9.5, something nice. like that. <laughs> well, we have come to the callback to the plugs that we did earlier. So uh, can you tell people where they can find you uh, on social media, anywhere you want to be found, uh, and then plug your stuff again? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ms. Ms. Nadia Osman, N-A-D-A-O-S-M-A-N. Uh, you can watch Depressed on Vimeo. Uh, you either search my name or it's somewhere on there. Uh, and you can come to Mod Night at UCB uh, every Wednesday. We go up certain Wednesdays, so you have to check the theater page. If you live in the LA area and you want to see some sketch 
<laughs> I'm not going to put an adjective in front of it because it varies from month to month. Uh, that sounds shitty. It's very funny. Please come. Yeah. See some sketch. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, here's some quick plugs for this show, and then we'll do our final weird questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, here are fun, weird final questions. If you could run at super speed, but only between your home and one other place, where would it be? Food. Wherever the food is. What's the I nearest food? food? But what if it's just like really close to your house? What if you just like live right next door to a right, Chipotle? Then I don't have to run so much. <laughs> you just run super speed, just yeah. like a I'm half just, a block. Yeah, I'm just there in 10 seconds. And it's like, <laughs> ah, good, guacamole. Thank you. <laughs> okay, food is a fine answer. <laughs> if you could write a word or phrase on the moon... What might it be? Uh, my joke answer is D's nuts. It's <laughs> just not what I actually want to say. But how funny would that be if somebody actually did it? And I know. Like, yeah, you live decades. And yeah. you're like 97 and you're looking up there and the moon still says D's nuts. And, and like, I'm like, noise, noise. <laughs> um, the more sincere answer is probably something like, you know, uh, you're doing okay. <laughs> Which is just like nice and placating and everyone can look up at that and go like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. All right. It's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. That's what I would put. Yeah, it's it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay is very different than you're doing okay. Yes. That could be read differently. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be okay is much more soothing. Yeah. It applies to so many situations. Yeah. Uh, I think even in the most horrific situations globally, even if it's not going to be okay, the hope yeah. Of it being okay, we'll get people through. Yeah. But then on the dark side, I'd like to still write these nuts. <laughs> these nuts on the dark side of the moon. That's great. The final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Doing the thing that you love with the people you love around you to see you do it. Okay. So performance for you. Is that a surprise? <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, I, I said that in a kind of joking way, but I don't mean it in a joking way because I think there's lots of times in my life that that would be my definition of of the perfect joy of like, I'm, I'm in it. I'm doing it. And I have here people here with me to support and celebrate. It's yeah. like a very happy moment. But is there, uh, are there other, in your mind, are there other uh, ways of experiencing that than performing? Do you mean like, we're carving pumpkins on Halloween and all the people yes. I love are around me. Yeah. Just being around the people that are loving and supportive of you no matter what and you're all in it together doing the thing. Yeah. Whether that is expressing yourself creatively or expressing yourself creatively via pumpkin carving <laughs> or expressing yourself creatively via a uh, Christmas light going Whatever the thing, <laughs> only holidays are allowed and happiness. There's no, no joy <laughs> elsewhere in the world. When it's January 22nd, you're fucked. There's nothing <laughs> happening then. Uh, being around the people that you love that love you back. That is great. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. Absolutely. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Last thing that I didn't get to mention before. Um, Sondheim is really known for complex polyphony. So...
you want layers of sound in your music. Um, the like a common version of polyphony is uh, chumbawamba when it's like piss in the night away. So somebody's singing that and somebody else is singing, I get knocked down, but I get up again because it's two different um, harmonies happening at the same time. And he does it a lot with really, really complicated notes. Uh, I think Sweeney Todd's probably the best example of that, where um, there's a bunch of songs where somebody is singing one thing and somebody singing a totally different thing that sounds very different, um, and somehow they blend together. And I feel like, uh, you know, for one example would be like, these nuts, these nuts, these nuts, these nuts. I'm so sorry. 